The past couple of years have been a roller coaster in the cattle market, hence why we started the Cattleman New Podcast. Welcome back. In today's episode of the Cattleman New Podcast, we discuss the current state of the cattle market with Caitlin McCulloch, what you should watch for in 2022, how COVID changed the market, and also we talk a little bit about forecasting and we give a projection about what your calves are going to be worth. So I hope that you dive in and really enjoy this episode. I thought she brought some great things to the table and I loved the conversation. We are excited to have Caitlin joining us today. Welcome to the Kettleman You Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about your background and how you're involved in the agriculture industry? Sure. So I work for the Livestock Marketing Information Center. We are a cooperative nonprofit between land-grant universities, USDA, and associate organizations. We have about 26 participating universities, nine USDA agencies, and about 14 associate members. We started in 1955. We're located in Denver, Colorado, and we really are focused on the livestock space of marketing. So mostly on the animal side as opposed to the meat side. We do cover cattle, hogs, sheep, poultry, and dairy out of our office. And then we do a little bit with feed grains as inputs to those uh, cost of production metrics. Perfect. We're going to dive into kind of all things markets today, but I know that COVID is winding down or the effects of COVID. Um, Are you still seeing COVID effects in the supply chain? If not, talk to me a little bit about how that's progressing. So COVID has been a bit of a moving target. When you think about when it started, it was largely on the slaughter plant side of things that we saw these massive impacts. We didn't, we weren't able to get animals slaughtered as efficiently or as quickly. And then after that, it was more on the uh, movement of meat into the retail case or the lack of restaurant sales uh, and people dining out. And so the, de- the impacts of COVID have been on both sides of the supply and demand equation. For the most part, now that we're in 2022, I think a lot of the supply chain pieces have taken care of themselves, particularly when you're talking about slaughter plants um, or or things moving from from one place to the next. So just in time versus having a stockpile of inventory is something you're seeing change a little bit, but those impacts are going to be more longer term in terms of what folks feel like they need to have on hand in case there is something that needs to change. But 2021, I would have characterized as a lot of refilling of pipeline as institutions came back online, restaurants came back online, and there was a little disruption there. Now we're hearing more normal type of things, right? So like a big snowstorm and trucks can't get where they're going, or the congestion of the port, still very much an issue, but um, relatively speaking, compared to previous issues, probably not as large. Great. I think that's good to hear on both sides. I know demand for beef is up, even as we see some of the prices creep up a little bit there for the meat products. And it's always challenging when you have high demand and you have supply issues. We've been looking at the demand side a lot, and I'll I'll go ahead and warn your listeners, we are in the recession camp in our office. And so one thing we're pretty concerned about is how that high beef price is going to impact consumers, be impacted by consumer spending. Uh, We're in a pretty different world than we were in the last two years. Beef demand was fantastic. It's not that it's not fantastic. It's that disposable real income has come down a little bit. 
you are seeing some signs GDP is slowing. And so all those things are going to combine and probably mean that demand is going to be a bit slower than it has been the last two years. That's good to know. That's good information and knowledge. I'm assuming some of that has to do with inflation. And when we look at just inflation overall, which of course that's, you know, a much bigger topic than we're going to cover today, but we're seeing feed prices be a direct contributor to kind of what's happening in agriculture. Talk to me a little bit about that. Not only do we have higher input costs, but we have a drought. What does that whole picture look like when we're looking at overall feed costs and the increased price of inputs? You got a couple things happening. So I'll, I'll take the drought part of this first. So the West and now the Southern Plains and the Northern Plains have largely been dealing with drought for you know, consecutive years in a lot of areas. And so what that means, they've had to deal with changing management decisions and strategizing in poor pasture and range conditions, low hay availability, sometimes expensive hay availability. And that has led to some involuntary culling over the last two years. And the problem is, is that we're entering into this year at another drought phase. And so a couple of months ago, they were thinking we might come out of La Nina, which meant we might have a little bit of help on the moisture front. Now it's looking like we're going to stay in that La Nina phase through probably August, which means pasture and range conditions for a lot of the South and a lot of the West are going to remain in pretty poor conditions. Now, if you think about where hay supplies are, we are the third lowest on record as of the December 1 number, and you're going to get a May 1 number in a couple of weeks here. So mid-May is when that May number comes out. And, and that'll tell us how much we have to start start the new hay marketing year. Now, we are expecting record high alfalfa prices in the coming year um, nationally. So I know it can be different depending on where you're at, but that's where nationally we're looking at hay going. And in other hay, it's probably not, it might be close to a record high, but it's going to be in that you know high 140s, low 150s nationally in terms of other hay. And so you're just in a, in a situation where producers are unfortunately probably not going to see a lot of help from Mother Nature. At least that's what it looks like right now. And that's going to put them in some pretty bad positions. Now, the good news, if there is good news, is that cull cow values nationally have really popped up. They're the highest since 2015. And so if you do have some flexibility, you might be able to time the market a little bit here and get maximum value for that animal if you do think you're going to want to color. Um, now, timing-wise, I know we're, we're in May right now as we're, as we're recording this. You know, there's going to be a little bit of a slowdown depending on what type of season, whether you're talking about fall calving areas or spring calving areas, and, and those definitely impact as well. But ultimately, the next big bump in cow slaughter should come in the fourth quarter. So we've had a tremendously fast beef cow slaughter rate, essentially, in the first quarter of 2022. It, it may be the fastest on record, but we're up about 16% through the first four months of the year. So you can tell those producers are already feeling those impacts of drought, but hopefully they're, they're getting a little bit more for those cows. Now on the feed grain side, uh, a little bit of a different ball game. The feed side has really escalated over the last two years. Last year, we saw dramatic price escalations as we weren't sure what the U.S. crop looked like. It came in a little bit better than we thought. When Ukraine was invaded, they are a huge grain producer. And so this is impacting feed costs globally. It's impacting food across the world. You are going to have a food shortage for the world. It might not hit U.S. consumers as directly as that, but it is going to impact livestock worldwide. And the U.S. is looking at pretty likely record high season average corn price 
in the next year, possibly. It's not necessarily a done deal. We're just looking at the numbers and it's pretty easy to draw down those carryouts below 1 billion bushels, which means very tight supplies. So on the livestock side, those are really expensive. Ukraine's also a massive wheat producing country. Um, you've seen near record highs there or record highs in wheat. And then that has spilled over into other commodities. And the most interesting thing about the feed grain complex is we're so early in this. In a normal year, it might be premature to kind of talk about these things ahead of June plantings, but prospective plantings that came out in March showed us that we're looking at a fairly low acreage number for corn. Now we can get a few of those back and we're thinking we will. So it's not necessarily on the supply side. Even if you have a normal type of production year for corn and soybeans, it's still probably going to be pretty tight just because of that global demand and just the big, big impact that we're seeing from Ukraine. And, you know, the information is still coming out over there about how many acres or hectares they're going to get planted. And so it's a little still unknown. The other part that's unknown is how much the U.S. will end up exporting as this Ukraine situation creates a vacuum that the U.S. has the opportunity to fill. But all those are competing with our domestic producer in terms of a feed grain. And so unfortunately, the cost scenario is probably up and up and up, at least at this point. And we've seen that across the markets early this year. We have $8 corn in several of them. Beans in the teens has been commonplace at this point for the last several months. And so it's, if you're on the livestock side of things, it's, it's not a great scenario. Historically, do we see feeder calf prices rise with corn prices? I'm trying to remember back you know, in 2015, 14, when the market was really strong for feeder calves, we saw kind of high corn during that period of time too, didn't we? I'd have to go back and look exactly what it is. Now, normally we would say that high feed prices impact feeder cattle specifically, and they impact them negatively, right? So when you're putting them in a feedlot, you got to feed them out. And so the demand for that feeder cattle is going to be based on what the cost of gain is, how much it costs to put weight on it, and what kind of return you can get out of it. Now, on the calf side, it's a little bit different, right? You can, right now, the market and the drought and all these implications are telling the market that you're going to do better to put weight on that animal on grass. So if you have grass, it could be a big opportunity. But again, that is very weather dependent. And we saw a lot of strong demand for calves early this year. First quarter was fantastic prices, definitely better than we thought there'd be. And so I think it's not as easy as drawing a straight line between those two things, because normally you wouldn't see quite what you're seeing now. And the other side of it, as you mentioned, back in 15, we were at the bottom of a cattle cycle and we're approaching the bottom of a cattle cycle again now. So tight cattle supplies, is helping support that calf price. And it's gonna be a little bit of a push and pull between where those feed costs are relative to where those feeder cattle supplies are. And so across the weight group, you're gonna see a little bit of difference, I would say, between the reactions of the market. And it's right now feedlot pens are full, right? And, and right now the Southeast, kind of the Eastern part of the U.S. still is a little cold, but seems like it's going to have some good grass conditions, maybe a little more pocketed in other parts of the U.S., but that could be a big opportunity to put weight on animals and, and make a nice profit when you do sell them out to the feedlot. We're seeing those cold cow prices, like you talked about, being really high in comparison to the bread cow market. And so in Montana, I know there's definitely some frustration from producers because it seems like those cool cows are bringing more than 
what some of these older bred cows or pears are bringing. And it's simply, you know, I don't think we've gotten enough moisture in our neck of the woods for people to be comfortable that they can buy and expand their herd. People are still thinking about liquidating. And so that's definitely a mental game that I hear a lot of my producers playing and definitely something that changes the way we think about operating our business and selling some of those cool cows, you know, versus some of those bread cattle. I don't disagree. It, at least in the last big drought, it was bread cows didn't take off, didn't take off. And then all of a sudden, wham, right? It was like a fire hose. Everybody wanted them and everybody was ready to expand. And, and I think that'll happen again this year. But as you mentioned, it probably will depend a little bit on rain and, and weather. The cull cow market, I will say this. So we're, we look at the 90% trim and we look at the boxed cow uh, cutout value. And you mentioned it earlier, demand for beef's been great. And not just for fed cattle. If you look at the boxed cow cutout value, that's been really strong. And that 90s lean has been really strong. We have seen 90s lean weaken a little bit. And I'm curious to see if that translates into a little bit lower cutter cow values, at least over the summer. I don't think you'll see a substantial decline. I think those will remain high. And part of it is we've just already called so many cows. There's not the supply out there. Absolutely. Let's just give producers a little plug on where they should watch that cool cow market because that is a market and I've talked about this in a lot of my podcasts and trainings but to me when the timing on cool cows can make or break an operation and so do you have a good resource or a website it's a little different than feeder calves right we can get on um, northern or superior or even really a sale barn and get a pretty good idea but cool cow values it's a little harder when you're just looking at them, you know, on a sale barn report to really figure out where do you recommend people go to watch those prices? So we follow a national price, which may not be very helpful to everyone. Um, or we follow, you know, we track 13 or so auctions that USDA AMS puts out that's publicly available. But the one we follow is called the National Direct Cow Bull Market. That'll give you all the different weight breakdowns. It includes domestic and imported, if those are things you're interested in. It also breaks it out depending on region. So it has like South Central, North Central, East, West, Midwest. And on that report, everything will tell you what those regions mean, according to USDA MS. But the thing I like about it is I mean, it has premium whites. It has breakers, and then it has different categories for those under or over 500 pounds, boners, cutters, et cetera. And so it's, it's a very comprehensive report, if that's what you need. And that plug number is 2488. So it's the USDA report that's 2488. It used to be the weekly 168, but USDA has redesigned their number scheme. Okay, great. That's very helpful. Do you foresee costs? continuing to climb input costs here in 2022? Unfortunately, yes. I, I don't think inflation, I know the Fed's meeting this week and very likely you will see interest rates go up. I just, I don't think inflation will turn that fast. And so you're going to feel the pressure from all sides. Energy was the one I was really concerned about. I've actually been pleasantly surprised it stayed only around, you know, a hundred we had a few spikes in there, but there's definitely concern that that could still rise if there's an embargo on Russian oil or you name it. You know, we're in a pretty uncertain times in terms of what's happening in Europe, and that can have 
a lot of spillover effects that aren't necessarily easy to spot or um, or calculate on the fly. And so those are the things we're watching. You also have some things happening on the demand side that I would that I would be concerned about. You know, all of the COVID lockdowns in China has really rattled a, t- a lot of markets and. If you've been watching the futures market in terms of whether you're talking about live cattle, feeder cattle, hogs, everything is very volatile right now. Um, But back to the cost side, it just doesn't seem like things are going to come down. Fertilizer is going to remain high. I would suspect all the supply chain things that in fact things like drug manufacturing, et cetera, labor market is still very tight. None of those things are probably going to turn around very fast. And so you're probably not just looking at higher costs in 2022. It's probably not going to return to what we would call normal. Even in 2023, it might be better. But I think this is a little bit of a slow moving ship. Unless you have some policy that really and and mainly maybe how the Federal Reserve chooses to tackle it to really change that a lot faster. And so we'll all be watching, we'll all be watching the Fed meetings here for the next several months to see what happens and what what the economic data does in reaction to it. I've been watching my retirement accounts and you talk about the livestock market being um, volatile. And I finally just had to tell my grandpa I wasn't gonna look anymore because we're seeing the exact same thing. I think in the stock market, just tons of up and down tons of uncertainty. And I think when we watch it like that every single day, you can certainly feel the effects. And so I tell people to, you know, take a week view or something like that. But I can't imagine watching it every single day. I think it'd be a roller coaster ride. I'm right there with you in terms of the stock market. I try not to check it every day um, because it it has been a whiplash sort of situation on, on some weeks. And with volatility, though, comes highs and lows. And, and if you're someone who's interested in hedging, it's, it's not a great time to learn because it's been so wild, but it does provide some opportunities. When you do have wild swings, you can get in at good prices that might lock in a profit for your operation. And so those can sometimes be worth spending some time taking a look at you know, how the board seems to be reacting to different pieces of news. But sometimes it's very hard to predict as well. Yeah, absolutely. We talked a little bit about demand earlier, but I want to return to that. What do you think or how has the consumer's preferences or buying trends shifted in either the last few months or even since we kind of saw the demand waver a little bit in the beef products? For one thing, we're in a period of I think some pretty big changes from a societal perspective. And so I guess I'll take that view first is that when everyone went into lockdown, we're still not back to 100% in person. It doesn't sound like we're going to. And so from a meat demand perspective, at least initially, one of the partisan areas was breakfast, right? Breakfast meats where people were no longer stopping at Starbucks for the breakfast sandwich or, or wherever. Dairy took a big hit in that aspect. And we've taken a long time to slowly come back, eat out more, but everyone learned how to cook. And some people really were tired of cooking and and fully went back to the restaurant style lifestyle. But I think the changes in preference, you also, and I I brought this up earlier, but I apologize, I'm going to revisit it. The changes you saw during the pandemic were also come from periods where they had a lot of stimulus money coming in probably their costs were down and you're in a totally different environment now. The stimulus checks are no longer coming in. 
the inflation perspective, everything is pressing in on the consumer in the same way some of your operations might be feeling it in that everything is more expensive. And we always, grocery stores are a little slower sometimes to change prices, especially on things that you're going to buy every day. And so it's probably not fully priced in like what those total costs are going to end up being, but we have hit record high prices for beef, pork, and chicken from an all aggregate type of perspective. And I think what that's done is, you know, we asked this question of our members probably about a month ago is if we thought people were no longer buying beef or if they were maybe just shifting from, you know, choice steak down to a, a less preferred cut of meat or down to ground beef, or if they were actually leaving beef altogether yet. And I don't think that's happening. I think we're still seeing folks buy beef and buy beef fairly regularly. Grilling season's coming in, so it's a very high demand time of year. And so that's gonna all help be supportive. But it is at a price level where I think folks are, are starting to look twice at maybe their options in the meat case, but the relative value across competing meats, so relative to pork and chicken, those prices are all up too. And so beef might catch a little bit of a break just in that all of them have increased together, but I would expect to see some substitution away from maybe the higher priced items that they were buying over the last two years and, and downgrade a little bit in terms of what their normal preferences are. One thing I've really noticed in the social media atmosphere amongst consumers that I don't know if I just never paid attention to it before, but I'm in a couple, you know, community groups here in Montana where I live and people are sharing when beef is going on sale in stores and it's getting hundreds of comments of people saying, thanks so much. Now I can go, you know, buy my ground beef. And that is something I haven't seen in a while is kind of that community aspect of let's wait until it goes on sale and then, you know, go stock up or go get what we need. And it did seem like with the stimulus, I mean, they were buying, you know, those higher priced cuts because they wanted a date night at home or something. And so I do think that is a shift we are seeing. Well, it sounds like I need to join a community group because I never know when it's on sale and I just hope, hope it is when I go there. But we do see different cuts end up in the manager special case than maybe we would have you know, a year ago, two years ago. And the other thing is two years ago, we had periods where, you know, the, if you guys think back to the empty meat cases, and then there were periods where there was so much product and it was pretty lumpy kind of where those situations were. So you had, you would have big sales um, on, on large, on large cuts. And now the thing we see the most in the Denver market is a lot of, you know, branded beef product that hasn't moved as well, end up in that manager special in some cases, a lot of the higher end cuts you can sometimes get we don't see that much, um, a lot of seafood in our market, not a big seafood market here, but, you know, not as much chicken and pork. It's mostly going to be, you know, more expensive beef and, and maybe a little bit of seafood. What are some current global affairs that are impacting the U.S.? Um, I know we talked a little bit about the war in Ukraine. What else is going on out there that we should know about and that potentially has the ability or is currently impacting the beef imports and exports and producers? I would say from a macro perspective to keep in mind that it's not just the U.S. that is facing high inflation and that 
even before Ukraine, um, a lot of central banks were talking about tightening monetary policy. And in certain parts of the world, the food price inflation is going to be a much bigger piece of their family budget than maybe it is here. And so that's going to all play into that. The other thing is the dollar hit a 20-year high. So a very strong dollar right now. And that's going to impact you know, our import-export trade to some degree. So there's quite a few things happening. I mentioned COVID in China, but COVID in other places. You know, at least here, it seems like the talk surrounding COVID has died down, even if the impacts haven't as much. I heard the other day that we're, we're seeing more waves, and I don't think we'll see the same impacts we have in the last two years. But as those things play out in other countries, they might, might take stricter approach than maybe we would here, um, and that's going to impact the U.S. beef market. The other thing is relationship to other countries. So we've been shipping a lot of product. We've been importing a lot of product uh, from a variety of countries, and a lot of it's going to be, you know, that lean, lean trimmings, lean ground beef that has had such a high price here. How those countries are doing in terms of cow herd and economics there is going to play a role as well. Strong, strong import increases from Brazil, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand, all of those we're going to continue to watch. It doesn't seem, I mean, we're moving product very well. You know, the price remains high, even though we've we've imported quite a bit. And that's probably going to continue. We're probably going to continue to import more product as our prices remain remain higher. But there's going to be a lot of shifting around the world as these economies come back online. They're all going to take different monetary and fiscal policy approaches to get their countries back out of. There's a lot of talk about world recession right now. How deep, how far is it isolated in Europe? I already mentioned, I think the U.S. will have one. It might not be that bad, but that's going to be impacted, too, by how Mexico and Canada are weathering things to date. And so there's a lot of moving pieces right now, a lot of different things on the macro stage, different trade deals being approached in terms not just the U.S. partnering, but others. The U.K. and Brexit is still unfolding. There's there's a lot of things going on, but I think overall that's going to all be overshadowed by the macro environment and what's happening in Ukraine. If I was going to pick one thing that U.S. producers might be eyeballing, it's going to be what it happens with energy costs. And on the U.S. front, I think they're going to be relatively isolated if really, if you really wanted only one thing to worry about, it's going to be drought. That's really good insight that you have there. So anytime there is a lot of players and factors that we're not used to, which is what's happening right now, right? Decreased cow numbers, we have drought that just lingers and continues. We have the war in Ukraine, we have COVID, there's always opportunity in the market. And so that is something that I really encourage producers to look for is opportunity, which a lot of times means doing something that no one else is doing. But where do you see some opportunities in the market coming in the next year? We already talked about the turn in the breeding herd. And I understand that's going to depend on your individual operation and what you're, what you're able to do at a time. But there is going to be a point where this thing turns and everybody is going to be you know, ready to increase their breeding herd. And I don't think we will see a turn in the cow herd until at least 2024. 
whether if you're on the side where you're maybe able to produce bread heifers or whatever, you know, timing wise, it gets a little tricky, right? What, when exactly that might be. But if you're a producer just looking to expand, you know, doing it a little earlier than everyone else is probably going to, you're going to be able to get in a little bit cheaper. I know that might not always be possible. On the calf side of things, we're expecting calf prices to continue to grow. On the feedlot side, I think it's going to be a little tougher. Um, this fed cattle price is probably going to pay attention a little bit more to what the what the economy is doing and how consumers are reacting. Are they pulling back spending, et cetera? And they're going to take the brunt of that high feed cost. And so those those heavier weight cattle that are probably going to have more interest in being placed are a little bit more at risk. Now, if there is a massive drought and all those lightweight calves have to go into a feedlot because there's just nothing out there for them, you know, that's going to help. That's going to drag the price down. But if that doesn't happen, we are looking at another year of higher prices in 2023 at this point. You know, something in the in the five percent range is probably is probably reasonable. And and so if you could think about your operation, you know, what kind of levers you personally can control. And I know we've talked about a lot of them. You can't drought, Ukraine, etc. But what's in your wheelhouse that you have the ability to actually manage and tackle? I think is a pretty big one. You know, for some people that might just be having enough hay on hand. You know, if you can buy a little extra or, or keep a little extra for yourself. You know, at some point this drought will break. It doesn't look like this year, um, and so that we may be a little late there. But that you know, that's one that that we sometimes hear from folks as an excellent risk management strategy. Here in Montana, we pray that California gets some rain because California plays such a role in our light calf market, especially in that late fall, that, you know, if we can't get the rain up here, that's where we hope it goes. So do they mostly go to coastal grazing then? Yeah, a lot of them go into California. And so that's really what runs a lot of our light calf market up here. Okay, perfect. Is there anything else you'd like to add or any resources that you recommend? I don't have really anything to recommend. You know, I think your extension specialist can be a great resource. I re interact with them a lot um, in terms of just knowing, you know, a lot of times they have big, they have good drought resources and, and, and have um, places where they have they put together, you know, lists of people that have hay or, or, or those kinds of things, opportunities to, to shift, shift cattle around if there are any. Um, and so that might be a good resource. USDA has a tremendous amount of data if you like doing that kind of thing. Their site is getting increasingly easy to use, pull down data through spreadsheets or electronically. And, you know, when, when drought rolls around, it's it's always, I mean, I, I know you guys probably hear this a lot, but knowing your cost of production can save you quite a few headaches if you're trying to risk manage on, on the cattle side of things, whether it's looking at the futures market or LRP or LGM. Knowing where you're at and where you want to go, it can be pretty helpful. And being nimble and able to react is half that, right? So again, the things you can control versus the things you can. 100%. I think this was a great conversation, Kaylin. Thank you so much for joining us. Data is always important. And also, I really think that to be a cow-calf producer, to be in the beef industry today looks so different than it did 10 or 15 years ago. And there's a lot more factors. There's a lot more things outside our control. And so I loved how you said, control the controllables. You can only control some things in the operation and input costs, 
and knowing those costs, right? You can't control the actual costs, but you know those costs and also make yourself able to move a little bit, whether that be more hay or you have more grass and you have cattle, something that allows you to uh, play the game in a little different aspect is really important and I think will make a big difference this year. Well, thank you so much for having me and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Are you interested in joining a community of progressive cattlemen? Cattlemen U doors are opening this May from the 2nd through 31st. We're excited to welcome people like you into our community dedicated to learning and reaching our goals. Cattlemen U is for any producer, whether you're just starting out or want to refresh your skills. You can join the waitlist today at cattlemenulive.com backslash join. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cattlemen U podcast. And remember, the grass is greener where you water it.